The reading is from Colossians, Colossians chapter 1, and we're starting at verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And then also from chapter 4, just over the page, verse 12. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Heavenly Father, we do pray tonight that you would grow us Do you grow us in faith, we pray. Grow us in trust of you. Uh, Please give us hearts to receive your word and to be changed by it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. How do we pray for other people? How do we do that? Uh, If you're here tonight and you are a Christian, you probably realize it is a good idea to pray for people other than yourself. That's a very good thing, and you're right. We pray for uh, fellow Christians here at church, uh, Christians around the country, uh, our close friends, our family, uh, politicians perhaps. We pray for colleagues. We pray for also for uh, Christians in other parts of the world, uh, Syria, uh, Egypt, China, uh, many different parts of the world. We pray a lot for different people. And sometimes those are people we don't know, but very often, of course, it's people we do know. Sometimes we know very well. But even then, how do we pray for them? What is it that they need most? These are important questions. Because we want to make the best use of our prayers, of course, don't we? Uh, And if you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you're here tonight, uh, it might be that you're uh, cynical, perhaps, about Christian motives for praying, perhaps. You know, isn't praying just a way of uh, getting the things that we want from God? Perhaps that's your impression of why Christians pray. You know, a way to get a uh, to get perfect health or a great career, something like that. Well, today we'll see something very different. I hope something very different. Um, as we've explained at the moment, we're in a little mini series, really, uh, thinking about wrestling in prayer. And last week we heard about wrestling in prayer in times of suffering and doubt. And today we're thinking about wrestling in prayer for other people. For other people. So not uh, primarily ourselves tonight, although of course we will learn a lot about praying for ourselves by implication. But other people. How do we pray for other people? Uh, So we're in this uh, New Testament letter uh, called Colossians. And this letter was written by the Apostle Paul to Christians in Colossae. It's a modern day, uh, or a town in modern day Turkey. Now, Paul hasn't actually met these people. 
Um, we know from chapter 1, verse 8, that the church began through a man called uh, Epaphras. And he uh, heard the good news of Jesus Christ when it was preached, that um, forgiveness, full forgiveness, comes through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He heard that news, and he believed it, and he took it back to his uh, hometown of Colossa. But since the church started in Colossa, uh, it has become vulnerable so some in the church are pushing a teaching that denies the good news of Jesus Christ and full forgiveness. And this is a serious matter, of course. So Paul writes a letter to equip and encourage them. And a big part of his encouragement is, we're praying for you. That's a lot of his encouragement. We are praying for you. And we're going to focus especially on Epaphras' prayer in chapter 4, verse 12. Uh, but there's a lot of overlap with Paul's prayer in chapter 1. Uh, so we'll be looking at that too. Now in chapter 4, verse 12, we see well, three important things about Epaphras' prayer. His prayers. Uh, we see how he prays, uh, what he prays, and why he prays. And you'll have the points themselves uh, on the back of your service sheet. So do turn to them. Uh, first of all, how he prays, really. Now, Epaphras' routine is always wrestling. That's his routine. Uh, let me read. Uh, Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. He is always wrestling in prayer for the Colossians. Is this some um, endless prayer marathon, perhaps? No, that's unlikely. It's in the sense of whenever Epaphras prays, he's all, he always makes sure that the Colossians are in his prayers. It's a similar habit to uh, to Paul's in chapter 1, verse 9. He just doesn't stop praying for them. It's a continual routine or habit. Now, importantly, is Epaphras some uh, super-Christian with superhuman stamina? Is that it? You know, In other words, uh, Epaphras, our, our special chosen prayer warrior, is that it? Well, no, that's not the sense here. In many ways, he's a normal person like you and me. Uh, Paul writes, he is, he's one of you. So he's saying he's a Colossian, uh, like the uh, people who are receiving the letter. And here he's also called in chapter 4, a, a servant of Christ Jesus. And that's a phrase that describes all of us as Christians, all of us. Christ is our master. So this guy, Epaphras, is just like us, really. And we're told that he sends greetings. He says hello. He sounds like a normal, decent, friendly chap. So if you think Epaphras, you know, he was always praying, well done him, but that's not for me. Well, he's just a Christian like you and me. But practically for all of us, I think there are, there are two ways in which we pray for other people, aren't there? And sometimes uh, they're just on our mind. We're thinking about them uh, a lot. You know, we're, we're caring for them and it's a natural impulse to pray for them. Sometimes it's like that. For myself, thinking about this, this has been really challenging, in fact. I've been asking myself, you know, how many people do I care about so much that they are on my mind? How would I answer that? That I'm constantly praying for them. Uh, Sometimes people are always on our mind like that. But very often, to be honest, we really need reminding, don't we? We just need Reminding. Uh, practically, there are lots of ways to do that, of course. Uh, one way is to, well, it's a very handy thing to use something like a prayer diary. Uh, there are lots of different diaries you could have. I mean, uh, one example is making a table. 
you could have a table, you know, on each day of the week you have uh, three different types of people that you pray for. You have a close Christian friend, you have um, a family member, and a friend who you wouldn't call himself a Christian. And someone encouraged me to start doing that a couple of years ago, and I found it very helpful. So regularly, each week, you pray for certain people. Uh, again, though, to be honest, this has been really challenging, because I've been thinking, reflecting over this. You know, the people who are due under my prayers under Monday, they on average get a lot more prayers than the ones due under fr- Thursday, Friday, Saturday. <laughs> if that's you, I'm sorry. But... <laughs> Now, I've realized I need a lot of reminding, a lot of it. Maybe you recognize that in yourself. Epaphras prays regularly for people. And as he prays, he wrestles, we're told, he wrestles. Now, perhaps again, perhaps you find that odd. Is that odd? I mean, prayer is supposed to be quite, you know, quiet, calm, reflective, you know. Well, not here. Epaphras wrestles. Now, this does not mean um, God refuses to answer prayers, so you have to pin him to the floor like a younger brother. That's not what he means, of course. No, it's not about God's willingness or unwillingness. It's about Epaphras' urgency. He has a deep, deep concern for the Colossians. Uh, think about it very often. When you really, really want something, you put your whole body into it, don't you? Um, if you watched the Wimbledon final, cheering on Andy Murray, I presume. Uh, if you watched that, how did you feel by the final game? How did you feel when that was happening? You know, it's been over three hours. The guy's absolutely exhausted. He's almost there, but will he actually get there? Now, as you're watching the TV, you just really want him to win. And you, you realize that your whole body is into it. He just, come on, Andy, just, you know, do it, you know. You so want him to do it. And it's the same for Epaphras, I think. His prayer for the Colossians is so, so urgent, so, so important. He's so concerned for them. He's wrestling. And maybe you found yourself doing that in prayer at times. That is great. You've been wrestling in prayer for others, for their sake. Epaphras' routine is always wrestling. But of course we must ask, what exactly does Epaphras wrestle for? So secondly, his request is that they would stand firm. His request is that they, they would stand firm. So verse 12 again. Epaphras is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God. That you may stand firm in all the will of God. Uh, the word request doesn't quite put it across, I think. Um, this is his specific appeal to God, his petition. He is desperate for them to stand firm in all the will of God, to keep going in all God's will. But God's will, what, what is that? What is God's will? Uh, we often talk about uh, finding out God's will for a particular decision in life, don't we? No, for example, uh, Lord, is it your will that I take this job? Now, don't mishear me. That is a perfectly decent prayer. Of course we can pray that, pray that. But the term God's will here and throughout the Bible has a, uh, a deeper, wider meaning. God's will is, in essence, what God wills for us and what he wants for us, not just in a particular decision, but day by day. 
to stand firm in God's will is really to keep going in what God desires day by day. And notice while we're here that it's, it's in all the will of God. And this is not implying that we can obey God perfectly. It's not implying that. But that we can learn how to please God in some sense in, in all areas of our lives. But what does this look like? Well, for the Colossians and for us, keeping going in God's will means two main things, I think. So first of all, that to keep going in the gospel. And that's been a key theme for the whole letter. Uh, Summarised really in chapter 2, verses 6 to 8, if you want to go there. Uh, Let me read it. Paul writes, So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So the number one command in the Bible is, put your trust in Christ for your sins to be forgiven. That is God's will. But Paul and Epaphras know that some are being led away from that message. So they, they pray they'd stand firm in that gospel message. Keep going in it. Now, rooted in deeper appreciation that Christ has saved them and is their Lord and Master. To keep going in the gospel. That is God's will. Which also entails uh, sharing the gospel. In chapter 4, verse 5, Paul says, uh, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. In fact, it's often by sharing the gospel that we grow in it. God wants the Colossians to keep going in the gospel. And secondly, God wants them to keep going in uh, godly living, we can say. That's his will too. Uh, Paul explains this a bit more in... um, the letter of 1 Thessalonians. We're not going to turn there. But in that letter, in chapter 4, verse 3, he says this, It is God's will that you should be sanctified. Become more like Christ, is what that means. So it's God's will for every Christian to live uh, more like Christ in their work life, their family life, uh, social life, relationships. Now, to keep going in godly living can be very hard. We need to stand firm, keep going. So that's what Epaphras is wrestling for in prayer, day after day after day for these Colossians, that the Colossians would stand firm in God's will, keeping going in the gospel and in godly living. Or you could say keeping going and believing Christ and living for him. And importantly, Epaphras prays, of course, because God must be doing this work. It must be God's work. Paul sheds more light on this in uh, the first bit we had read, chapter 1, verse 9 at the start there. There he asks God to fill the Colossians with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So to know God's will better is to know God better. And the way this happens is with the help of the Holy Spirit. You know, that's why he was told we, we need spiritual wisdom and understanding. It's through the Holy Spirit. And in particular, it's as we read the Bible that the Holy Spirit helps us understand God's will rightly. We all need God's help to keep going in the gospel and godly living. That's what Epaphras wrestles for. 
Uh, now it's the right thing to do to uh, stand back a little bit and think of our own prayers. What do we pray for other people? What do we pray? What is the uh, the content of our prayers for other people? In fact, it's quite easy, isn't it, to pray for other people uh, without any particular content, to be honest. Uh, you know, we could pray, Lord, I pray for Bob, full stop. And that's quite easy to pray that, isn't it? I do that a lot, a lot of the time. Actually, there's no content in there, in a sense. Now, that's okay, of course. God knows what Bob needs. He does know that. But so do we, actually. We do know what Bob needs. We know what everyone needs. We can pray. Lord, keep him going in uh, believing the gospel, living for Christ. We can pray that. We always have something to pray. And we can wrestle for that. Keep him going, Lord. But also when we think of our prayers, uh, both for other people and ourselves, uh, our passages today challenge us, I think, about our priorities in prayer. Uh, Paphrasis and Paul's prayers uh, center around God's will, don't they? Could we say the same for our prayers? Uh, You might know of a a Christian author called uh, Don Carson. Uh, One of his books has a very snappy title, A Call to a Spiritual Reformation. Uh, This is one of the first Christian books I think I read, and it's a really good book. I really recommend it. I'm sure it's on the bookstore. It should be. Um, And essentially, he picks out Paul's prayers from his letters. And he says, uh, what can we learn from those prayers about priorities? Uh, Here's a quote where he puts his point very strongly, actually. Uh, Let me read it out. We must ask ourselves how far the petitions we commonly present to God are in line with what Paul prays for. I suppose, for example, that 80 or 90% of our petitions ask God for good health, recovery from illness, safety on the road, a good job, success in exams, the emotional needs of our children, success in our mortgage application, and much more of the same. How much of Paul's praying revolves around equivalent items? If the center of our praying is far removed from the center of Paul's praying, then even our very praying may serve as a wretched testimony to the remarkable success of the progress of paganization in our life and thoughts. Well, that's pretty strong. Paganization? What's he talking about? Well, what he means is, if we're not careful, our prayers can, in a sense, become godless, or certainly uh, not God-centered. But hang on, doesn't God uh, care about us, the small details of our lives, the big details? Uh, doesn't he love us? Yeah, yeah. He absolutely love us, loves us in the details of life, very much. The Bible absolutely affirms that. But it's a question of what's at the center of our prayers. You see, we can't pray for someone to uh, get well, but we can pray that prayer with uh, health at the center of the prayer, or we can pray it with God at the center. The question is, what do Christians need most? Is it health, for example? Or is it God? If we put God at the center, we'll realize that what Christians need most, even more, even more than good health, more than anything else, we need to stand firm in God's will. Keep going in Him. Uh, Think about abseiling for a minute. 
you know, abseiling. It's when you kind of walk down a cliff face, tied to a rope. Um, kind of fun. It's, it's quite fun, actually. Um, maybe you've done it. Now, when you go abseiling, the aim is to get down to the bottom, of course, and enjoy yourself at the same time. Not everyone does that. Now, if you're at the bottom looking up at someone doing it, what is the most important thing you want for them? Well, you want them to keep trusting in the rope, really, because that's the way they're going to get down. You want them to keep believing that that rope is going to get them down and will support them. Because if they don't do that, then frankly, that's going to be a disaster. They'll just kind of freeze and just swing, or they'll try and cling onto the cliff face and then they're just panicking they won't get anywhere. Maybe you've done that. Um, now, keep believing in the rope. That's what you want for them. Now, of course, at the same time, you could, well, you probably want to help them a bit on the journey. You know, um, it has a good smooth bit down there. Why don't you go down there? Or, yeah, mind out for that kind of jagged area. Yeah, careful over there. Yeah, of course. But even when you're helping them to do that, the priority you want for them is always keep believing in the rope. Now, when we pray for other people, our most important prayer is that they would keep believing in the gospel and in living for Christ. That sometimes their journey is uh, jagged and they need to get through the tricky parts and that is difficult. Sometimes they want to you know, admire the view and enjoy the good things that God gives us, of course. But at the same time as those things, the priority we want for them is always keep going in God's will. That is worth wrestling for. So can we ever pray for a friend to get a promotion, for example? Well, yes, we can pray that. But it's good to pray with God at the center. Lord, you know, um, Bob, again, uh, would like that promotion. But, but whether you give it to him or not, whether you take his job away, please, above all, help him to keep going in the gospel, honoring you in the way he lives. And wrestle for it. Lord, please do that. Please do it. And I think the best way to start praying like this, or continue praying like this, is as a church, of course. You know, each month we have um, a prayer diary that we put out. Uh, they're over there um, by the door. I think they're in yellow this month. Uh, prayer diary every day of the month. There's something in particular to pray for uh, linked with the church. And I think they are really encouraging things to read and pray. Because often, or almost always, the prayers are very God-centered. And that is a very good thing. I do commit to coming to our monthly prayer meetings that we have uh, the first Wednesday every month. Uh, the next one is, uh, that'll be next Wednesday, I think. We could call it a group wrestle. I don't know. Next time, should we call it that? <laughs> Maybe not. Uh, but you get the point. We pray uh, for our church. We pray for our world. We pray for our mission partners. And we do it together. These are all people who need our prayers to keep going in God's will. We're wrestling together. Just not literally, please. Now, and many at the church here are in a prayer triplet as well. If you're not, you could drop a line to the church office, ask about prayer triplets. Uh, that is another great way of consistently uh, praying God-centered prayers for, each, for other people. Uh, do let's make an effort, of course, to ensure, if we're in a triplet, that our prayers are God-centered. It is very easy, I know from experience, to uh, uh, catch up on each other's lives and then just pray a little bit at the end. Why not wrestle in prayer for each other to keep going in God's will?
So we've had Epaphras' routine, always wrestling, and his request that they would stand firm in God's will. Now lastly, his reason is for mature faith. His reason is for mature faith. Chapter 4, verse 12 again. He is always wrestling a prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Here is the heart of why Epaphras prays as he does, so that the Colossians grow in faith and assurance. If you turn back to chapter 1, uh, Paul gives a, a, a picture that kind of fleshes us out a bit, a picture of this mature, assured faith that Epaphras talks about. It's all about growing. Uh, growing in four ways in particular here. Uh, growing in fruit, growing in God, growing in endurance, and growing in thanks. We'll go through these. Let me read chapter 1, verse 10. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work. So first, a mature faith is growing in fruit, being fruitful for others. You know, if you have an orchard, you want it to produce apples, of course, that's what it's there for. It's not much use to anyone if it doesn't. The idea is, pray for others to keep going in the gospel and godly living. This will produce fruit. They will be fruitful Christians who encourage other people, who care practically for other people. And amazingly, our wrestling can help that happen. We are, we are involved in that. Growing in fruit. Uh, secondly, mature faith is about growing in God. In the same verse, he says, growing in the knowledge of God. You see, by keeping going in God's will, it helps us know God more fully. It grows our faith as we realize that his ways really are good. And this, in turn, assures us. Now, when we have doubts or or struggles or wobbles, we are more sure that God is there and that God is good because we know him better. Now, that's a wonderful reason, again, to wrestle for people. Growing in God. Thirdly, mature faith is about growing in endurance. Chapter 1, verse 11. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience. As Christians, let's be honest, we need endurance quite often. Paul affirms that life can be very hard. But we need prayer not so that the hard times go away, but so that we can endure them. And we endure them by being rooted in Christ, so that when we get bashed by the storms, uh, we are strengthened by God's glorious might when that happens. So if we pray for others to keep going in God's will, well, then when those struggles come along, or they suffer for being a Christian, well, they'll be more assured and able to endure. Now, isn't that what we would want for each other? I'm sure it is. Growing in endurance. Fourthly, mature faith is about growing in thanks. Chapter 1, verse 12. And joyfully giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, 
the forgiveness of sins. This is all about thankfulness for the gospel. Paul vividly, I think, describes how great it is to be a Christian. We who deserve nothing have been given everything. And if we trust in forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ, he has lifted us out of darkness into the kingdom of light, where Jesus Christ is king. He has qualified us for the inheritance of heaven. Mature faith is not about grumbling. It's about growing in thankfulness for what God has done. So from this whole section, do you see uh, why Epaphras and Paul pray for other people? They want the Colossians to be mature, with complete assurance, uh, fruitful, patient, thankful, to be Christians who know God deeply. Uh, think of an animal. Think of a, think of a horse. Okay. Uh, when a horse has just been born, is that what you, it's a foal, isn't it? Is that what we call it? Uh, it's just been born and it's got those long wobbly legs, doesn't it? It can hardly stand up. I, I can't do that. I can't. <laughs> Imagine it. It can hardly stand up. Feeble. Just wobbling around. But a few years later, it's full grown. It's big, it's strong. Confidence. When we pray for others to keep going in God's will of the gospel and godly living, when we do that, he makes them full-grown, strong, confident, assured. That's God's promise. He grows people. He transforms people. Do you find that exciting? That is exciting. Uh, yesterday, I was um, fortunate enough to see Matt Lloyd. Uh, for those who don't know, he has been our assistant minister here for a while. Uh, but back in February, uh, out of the blue, he got a very uh, uh, severe, serious spinal injury. So uh, he was paralyzed uh, initially. Uh, but despite his incredible progress, really, since then, uh, walking is still very, very, very difficult, even with his crutches. His legs are still very, very weak. And yet he told me yesterday that in these past five months since the accident happened, since the condition happened, in these past five months, his faith in God has grown more than ever before. His faith has been stretched, sure, but it's grown So yes, he has weak legs, but in a sense, Matt is stronger now than he's ever been before. He's stronger now. Isn't that incredible? And think of the dozens, probably hundreds of people who have been praying for him regularly. God grows people. He's doing it right now. Some of you might be here, and maybe you're quite dispirited in the Christian life at the moment. Maybe you're um, particularly uh, aware of, of, of a particular sin or something, um, uh, or you're feeling a bit useless at the moment. You know, you're, none of your friends have become a Christian, or uh, your dreams in life haven't quite worked out. Something like that. Maybe you're dispirited. Well, these passages say to us, to all of us, be encouraged. God grows people. 
and he wants you to grow. So be encouraged. Keep going in him. Even if you're desperate, keep going in him. And of course, part of that is ask people to pray for you. Let's be doing that. But also, of course, whatever your situation in life, whatever it might be like in a moment, other Christians need you. You are very useful for them. They need your prayers because God wants them to grow. And for all Christians, in wrestling for in prayer for others, we must ask, of course, we must, of course, uh, pray for those who do not yet trust in Christ. We must wrestle for them to consider and accept Jesus Christ as Lord, the Christian faith. That is the most loving thing we can do for them. If you're here, and, and wouldn't yourself call yourself a Christian, do you see why Christians would pray for you, in fact? The Christian faith is not uh, a magic wand that you wave, it's just a way of getting perfect health or a great career, relationship, anything like that. That's not what it's about. The Christian faith is about being a whole new person rescued by God. And in fact, if Christ hasn't rescued you, then however much we try to grow as a person, the Bible here says that you're still in a dominion of darkness. That's what it says here. And as we finish, for Christians, by God's kindness, we have left that darkness. We now live in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And Paul says it is a kingdom of light. A kingdom of light. So how are we to grow in our faith? How are other Christians to grow in their faith? It's by looking to the light of Christ our King. Now, I'm no great gardener. Um, I don't think I've ever done it, even. Um, but I do know that plants need light to grow. That's just a fact. They need it. So much so that they turn towards the sun, don't they? This is what they do, naturally. They must do that to grow. They know what is good for them. And as Christians, we cannot grow if we are turned away from the face of Christ. Wrestle in prayer that you would see his face more clearly, that others would see his face more clearly, that knowing his will would transform us, thankful for the gospel, desiring to live to please him. Keeping going in God's will is worth wrestling for day and night. Let's be determined to keep praying that for other people. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the example here of Epaphras and Paul. Praise you for their love and determination to pray for others with you at the center of their prayers. Lord, help us to do likewise, we pray. But Lord, you know our hearts. They can be clouded with so many different things. Above all, please grow us in Christ, wanting to live for him. Please keep us going in his gospel each and every day. In his great name we pray. Amen.